success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And we have an invincible one for you today. Susan Harrow is a media trainer, marketing strategist, martial art, and author of Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. For 33 years, she's trained thousands of women leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors for TV, radio, panel, podcast, and print interviews to be highly desirable repeat guests who shine in the media spotlight. She's prepped her clients and course participants to appear on Oprah, 60 Minutes, Larry King Live, The Today Show, Good Morning America, Fresh Air Marketplace, Bloomberg, MSNBC, NPR, CNN, Fox, New York Times, it just gets better and better. Wall Street Journal, Wired, Forbes, Inc., O, Parade, Vanity Fair, as well as stage to screen. You may know her as the go-to girl for getting on Oprah. What you might not know about her is that she has a black belt in Aikido and was recruited by the CIA to be a spy. Oh my gosh, Susan, welcome to the She's Invincible podcast. It's such an honor to have you with us today. It's so great to be with you. And thank you for reading that kind of long bio. I, I love it. Full of, right? I, yeah. I love bios. I, you know, some people read them and some people read them later. I love to read them on the show because it raises the energy, right? You feel that. You can step into that. And I love because the guests always have this look on their face like, is she talking to me? Did I really do all of those amazing things? Yes, you reminder. It's it a really is. good reminder. It you know, is we great give ourselves that kind of credit, I think. No, we especially don't. Yes. Especially right. And we need to take that in. I agree a hundred percent. And I, I just I love, love, love to to just share these bios and it's you know, a pinch me moment, right? Wow, I did that. What am I gonna do next? So tell us this. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? I have quite, I was like, if you started, I majored in Shakespeare and you're thinking like, what can that tell you about life? But I really believe that Shakespeare's stories were like, if you want to learn about life, read Shakespeare and read those stories. And then I moved into sales. I was in high tech sales for automated building controls, which are smart buildings in an all male environment. And I worked for two startups in all male environments. And then when I left that, I was thinking, what do I want to do next? And I was a top salesperson and I created an account program there and developed all kinds of things. And, and I was also doing writing at the time. So 
I, there was this woman who was the PR person for the North Face and for Bill Graham Presents for those big concerts. And I said, hey, can I tell you and just find out what you did? And so I went over to her house and this was, this was before, this was before the internet even, you know, so we had fax machines and we had telephones (laughs) and and these kind of old fashioned things. And so I started just learning about that. And she just said, you know, pretty much she handed me the phone and said, jump on. And I'd already been in sales. So I, you know, I, I, I was comfortable with that, but I said, can I listen to you first? And I listened to her start, you know, telling about people to get them booked on, um, you know, national TV and national radio and print. And then I just started doing it myself. And then she wow. gave me my first client who was Missy Park, who was title nine sports, who at that time was one woman in a warehouse. And now it's the second largest retailer of women. You, have you heard of our women, women's clothing wear? It's like, it's now. like a fleet uh, title nine sports. Yeah. So um, she became one of my first clients. And then what happened from there is that um, what I found was I could book my clients, you know, the New York Times, the Larry King Live and Oprah, all these things. And sometimes what would happen was a great big nothing. And I, and they said to me, Susan, you know, nothing happened. I didn't sell my books. I didn't sell my products. And I thought, well, I did my job. I did what I was hired for. I was hired by publishers too, to promote books. And then I started looking at what happened with them. And what I found was they weren't saying the kinds of things that was getting the audiences to connect and, and interested. So I started media training them on their own. And, and um, that's how I sort of grew into the media training aspect because I loved it so much. I love it. And you saw you saw like a gap there and you filled it. What that's brilliant. Yeah. Right. That's brilliant. That that, you know, we do need to teach people what to do, right? Then it needs to go all the way. I love that you're doing that. Well it always looks so easy when we see people on TV and everything. And now my sweetie's like, that person's been media trained. And he's like, and then he'll call me in sometimes and go, I don't know why I don't like this person. Can you tell me why? And I will look at their body language and their facial language. And I say, you see, they're doing this, this, and this, or this is their tone, you know? Yeah. And, and I'll say, that's why you don't like them. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. So you can, you can look at the radar, right? Yeah. yeah little radar. We, we perceive people first by their facial language, body language before the verbal language, much as I think the verbal language is super important. It's our presence that is number one that people are getting like ASAP. We've already formed an opinion of you, of me in, in a split second. It's like a third of a second now. Mm, Wow. That's awesome. And so how many years have you been doing this training? So gosh, so I did publicity, the actual booking for about 10 years. So it's been like 23 years. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And what's yeah. crazy is like, even it, it was before neuroscience, but all of my training is neuroscience based. It's just like neuroscience has now caught up. It's like a lot of the things that were in the ancient traditions. I have a lot of clients who are in the transformational movements and I've been able to take all of their courses and, and work and incorporate that into the trainings, which now is much more common and, and um, popular mindfulness <laughs> neuroscience, but it wasn't back then and sort of sneak it in and you still kind of have to sneak it in. But um, really what happened is that all of what I do is based, it's just, I've seen thousands and thousands of people. So I know what works and know what it is. And now there's the science behind it mm. to say, 
okay, this is why when you have a certain tone of voice, people listen to you. Like for women, when you have a lower tone of voice, you get more respect. Like, you know, why? Because it's more, is it because it's more like a male voice or because we're perceived more as flirty and sexual Mm -hmm. when our voices are higher. So even as a publicist, you can use that to your advantage. Part of it is using it to your advantage. So when I was a publicist, I would raise my voice a little bit when I was talking about a person and it would be a little smoother and a little lighter and a little higher. So I would get the callback from the men. That's amazing. So tell us what makes you invincible. So really, I... I continually to I continue to reinvent myself and I'm always looking for well what is the next step. So that's why I started in Aikido is because I wanted really more embodiment. And I thought, you know, I'm media training people mostly via video. It was on Skype back then because most people, I've trained people all over the world and people, you know, didn't often come to San Francisco. When they did, we would go in studio. But mostly I was media training people via video. So I really wanted that kind of embodiment. And so I started taking Aikido to get that. I was already, um, I had already was already a jock. I was always like, um, like captain of my badminton team. I played on the boys tennis team and we didn't have a girls tennis team when I was in Maryland. And then I was always a, um, a, a tennis pro, a teaching pro. So I had that kind of embodiment. So so those are the kinds of things where I'm like, well, how can I use that and train people to feel more, to be, we call it now being in the present moment, but Absolutely. it's really a lot of training that came from me teaching tennis, for example. I taught tennis via video. Wow. And so people would, would recognize like, where is your racket in space in relation to your body, right? So those are the kinds of things that happen. So what makes me invincible is... I think really being able to change my career, like like I had several careers before, even in the startups, you know, too. But to use all of those qualities from my education and my experience there. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about media training. I'm excited to hear some of your tips uh, that you teach to some of your clients about just what what they need to be doing, right, for this. So you um, have Shine in the Media Spotlight. That's what we're going to talk about. And also becoming a highly desirable repeat media guest. So I think that's so cool, too. Um, And you cover different things like podcast panels, presentations, print, radio, TV, TED, and blogs. So that's a lot to cover. But we're going to do it. So And we're going to bring the people all the things they need to learn today. So let's jump in and let's start with this shining in the media spotlight. So do you have a few tips that you can share with our listeners about some things they could do to better shine in the spotlight? So the first thing that I do with my clients and my course participants in the Zen of Fame is, um, your genius gone viral, is that we look at, we answer the the four main questions, because this really sets the tone and the foundation for your messaging and what you want to do and how you want to connect with your audience. And they are, um, what's your big vision? How do you want to serve? That's number one. Number two is what do you want for yourself? And we look at professionally, personally, physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, because PR can open up that whole world for you. You can get any kind of connections that you want when you start when you start expanding that world. And then the last thing is, what do you want your audience to do? What, what action do you want them to take? 
And then the last thing is sort of like, what's your really like, if you could do anything and, and PR could bring you anything, like what is that like big dream? Because nothing is impossible. So we look at like your future self. That sets the foundation for the kind of messaging that you want to give. And the kind of messaging that you want to have is your your story of origin, which is why you do what you do, because that's the question that you're always going to get. Like, why do you do what you do? You were asking me that too, right? Yeah. Like, so you have to have that story locked in. And then you want to have messaging like client um, or customer successes. So you want to have those woven in, but it has to be woven into a point. It can't, you can't just bl blurt them out, right? Like it has to be integrated into a story or a point. And then the last thing is like, key messaging or advice, uh, really how to super practical things. So you want to combine your sort of your sort of big vision and framework with super practical things that people can do. So love for it. example, yeah, so he'll give an example. So one yeah, of my I love clients, that. Go ahead. Um, she um, has this book on um, she was molested when she was uh, four years old on up and she's gone through a huge process of forgiveness for her father and really wanting to make that less taboo. Like it, it still is very shameful for people who have been molested. And, and there's been a lot of work done in the area, but she's, she's really a proponent in that area. But also, you know, what we were looking at is to get other people on board, meaning she has this gorgeous event planning, like luxury event planning business. And I'm like, we can use that. That's her main, that's what, that's, that's what her main business is. And this was an, an act of love, like for this book. And I said, let's look at like, what do you want? Who do you want to connect with that would maybe even use your luxury business, but that is also a proponent of women's empowerment. And can we incorporate that into your patter and your messaging. And that's what we did because, because that's what I mean about opening up the whole world. It's like she could connect with people at that higher level who were celebrities. And I have another client who's, um, she's a, she is licensed to be a doctor in 50 States and she's a telemedicine evangelist. And so she was just on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. I mean, imagine that in, Absolutely. yeah. And she's on the cover of a couple of magazines and also she was at a charity event. So we were looking at who did she want to connect with at this charity event that was for children because that was something super close to her heart. So we were we were working behind the scenes on how do you connect with people at that level and really strategizing that. Like, how do you create the conversation? How do you make yourself memorable? And we came up with that she was going to leave them with like a Lego of her, like something tactile to give. So people would remember because nobody's going to remember like a business card, right? So we, right. we talk about all of that marketing, strategic planning, and then what happens in person, what happens when you're doing an event, you know, an event or a podcast like this too. What do you want to incorporate into that messaging? I love that. And so let's move into this becoming a highly desirable repeat media guest on the top podcast panels and such. So tell us a little bit about that, because it's one thing to actually learn what to do to get on that land that the first time. But then then is it one and done or how do you make yourself so valuable that you're able to get no, back? No, it's not one and done. And one of the things that you told me at the beginning is like you don't even consider people if they don't have their one sheet done. Uh -huh. Right. Like It's got uh -huh. to be. So the first thing that we do is get all of your oftentimes when people come to me, they're either 
they either have an internal marketing department or they have hired a PR firm or they have an assistant who's doing something for them because you want to have your press kit ready at the ready, all of those things, because people like you are looking at the press kit. You're looking at the, the podcast that they've done. You're looking at the media. You're looking at their social media. That's what you told me. Yes. All that needs to be ready before you approach the media. So some people just want to go, I just want to set it out. So your messaging and your website and all of your social needs to be in place before you reach out to the media. So people mostly do things back asked So I want to get publicity. And then they get caught with their pants down because they don't know what to say and they don't have the backup materials. So that's right. number one. The second thing is to do all of the work. Um, you know, all of the work for if you, especially TV is different. So let's just talk about that for a minute. But sure. Typically what happens when a PR firm books you on TV is we, we have pitched a topic where the PR firm, I may have come up with that in the media training, the topic, and I give it to the PR firm and they pitch it. And we know the talking points that you want to reach. So we create those questions. We create what's called the B-roll or the background footage, which is what you see on the screen. It's either video or stills or holding up your book or points. That's all called background footage or B-roll. So we create all of that ahead of time so they don't have to do any work. That's number one. We don't want them to have to do any work. It's also creating the perception of you. We want to control that perception of you. So the more work we do and the more we create those kinds of things, the better it is for you. And the better it is, the more they'll use it as is. So, mm -hmm. so we create the questions, we create the answers, of course, and then we create the timing of it because in a TV program, you have two or four minutes typically, and that's very little time. Yes. So we want to make sure that you have your sound bites down and that they're crafted to to be you be able to tell them in any under any circumstance, but you also be able to have to go through with the flow. Like I had one client, it was super fantastic in getting his sound bites out, but he didn't create any rapport with the host. And so you can't sacrifice one for the other. You can't just like blurt out all of your points and think it's great. When you, you talk about an ask you back guest, it's people who generate that kind of connection and excitement with the host than that everybody feels you uh, know so that. one way to do that to connect with them because you are nervous at first is to really think about like um sending and this might sound corny to some people so if you don't want to do it you don't have to but if you if what's been shown is and this is neuroscience if you connect heart to heart and you look deeply into someone's eyes. So right now I'm looking into the dot. because Yes, I know. <laughs> Me too. I'm looking at your eyes. So we're both doing that. And then when you're talking, I'm looking at you. So that's another thing. You need to look in the webcam, even though it's weird. Because I'd rather be looking at, at Cammy. Um, so you want to look deeply into the webcam or to the host's eyes and really get that connection going. Because when it's felt with one person, it's felt with all. And this is the same when you're in a presentation in person, you connect with one-on-one -on -one with people one at a time deeply for a long, for like five seconds, which can seem like forever before you move on to another one. It's not about scanning. And that creates a real kind of different feeling in an energetic, which is the most important thing. It's more important than words is the energetic of you. Uh -huh. So getting back to the, the TV, so we plan out all the points. We plan out all your answers. We time it, time it, time it. We do role play because you actually have to do it. I was just on a podcast right before this and the podcaster said, can I just practice in my mind? And I'm like, no, 
and he goes, can I practice in the shower? I'm like, no. I said, <laughs> even if you're in the shower, you need to be practicing out loud, but it's only in role play in the actual situation that you yes. see how you really react. <laughs> and that's why we do role plays over and over and over again until you feel so comfortable, it begins to be easy. And in that same way, we're also working on your trigger points, like what sets you off, particularly if it's a con controversial topic. You will want to go through and make sure that you can answer all the hard questions or all the worst case scenarios. And sometimes people begin with that, Cammy, because it's like, I'm so scared I'm going to be asked this, or this is what's going to, this is what happens when I'm asked this question about my mother, right? <laughs> like, or about the personal things that you don't want to be asked that you're caught off guard for. Yes. So we want to practice that. Um, and then we want to practice, what if they just throw, what if they just um, scrap the topic? Because that happens too in the green room. They're like, we plan for this. And you know what? We've changed direction. And I know people think that doesn't happen, but it happens all the time. It's like, so you also have to have that kind of fluidity to be able to change direction on the spot. And that takes quite a lot of practice. And so people who aren't scared of doing like TV, I worry about them because they have no idea what's what's in store. I still get super nervous doing TV. And sometimes I'm I'm five two, so they make you sit on a chair where you you um you your feet aren't supported or whatever. I mean, you have to deal with all of the environmental things. I, I remember I was in a TV interview and afterwards the cameraman said, Oh God, they really got your you look so much better in person because they really got your band side. Because the host gets the choice of sides. Yeah, I know side is my good side, which side. But I didn't have that choice. And he's like, "Oh God, you didn't look very good on camera." <laughs> I know. I'm like, "Yeah, because they were calling my bad side the whole time." Oh, oh no. So, so the kinds of things that we really want to work on as a, for for on camera, there's a lot of those kinds of little minutia, and then delivering that in a timely manner so your audience really wants what you have. Is the key. I love that. So how do you teach this? Uh, do you have classes, courses? Is it online? Is it in person? Tell us about that. Yeah. So I actually just created a Zoom. If people really just want like the, the super fast version, I've now got a Zoom course where we just jump up on Zoom and do three hours of an intensive. And if you wanted to go more in depth, we've got the Zen of Fame, Your Genius Gone Viral. That's a course. That's an online course. You go at your own pace, but it's very robust. And it's three sections. The first one is your messaging, your key messaging. What do you want to deliver? The second is setting your systems up. We were talking about your, your website, your, your press kit, but all of your systems, moving people through the sales cycle, whatever your sales cycle is. It's that whole cycle for, you know, your funnels and your opt-in. And then the last thing is setting up a publicity campaign for the kind of, um, that suits your style and your temperament, introvert, extrovert, fast pace, slow pace, whatever that is. So there's some three points. Then the other option is working with me one-to-one. -one. So um, whether you want to be a thought leader, or you want to be just an in-demand media guest for your topic, we work um, depending on what your goals are, we decide together. And I do have a thought leadership program specifically. One is get, done, get it done in a day. And oh, another nice. is over time. Yeah, so that's very intensive as well. And over yes. time, so the levels you can work with me. A lot of people would love to do that in a day, right? Like just one and done. I, think, I yeah. think especially now that people, I think some people really love the condensed version. So whatever type you are, some people learn better absorbing step by time. step. 
Yeah. Yeah, step by step. Sure. So do you uh, only do this training or do you also have a part where you actually get people lined up for these shows, publications and such? I work with with the publicity firms or the market, internal marketing department, or if you have an assistant. Um, I, so they would do the booking. I do the prep for you. So like one woman just came to me and she, um, she wants to do more media. Her TED talk has almost 3 million views and she wants to get more. I know. Great. Right. Yes. But that's a lot about, she has never speaking package. So we want to develop her speaking package and then we're going to develop, then I will turn her over to a PR firm to do the press kit. And then I'm going to media train her to what the topics that she's really focusing on in her speaking. So we're interlocking all of those kinds of things. So. Wow. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. This has been so informative. I love it. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. So at prsecrets.com. So P like, like public relations, prsecrets.com. So I have a lot of um, free video trainings, special reports, you can get all of those kinds of things right up my my website. If you're not ready to engage in any kind of um, course or anything, there's lots and lots of free trainings that that are what you're welcome to. I love that. That's amazing. And just, you know, also, we're going to have all of your links and there are many links here uh, for Susan. So they'll all be in the show notes as you're listening. Just click the show notes, hit the link wherever you want to go, and it'll take you to her and she can help you with anything. Yeah, me too. Because you po- you perked up when I said, I have the one and only course for getting into O Magazine, Oprah's yes. Magazine, which can be so powerful, particularly for women, because What's so that? women focused. And it's such a great time now, um, because right now, particularly for women of color, it's, it's, it's your moment and diversity, you know, LGBTQ. It's your time is now. We don't know when that's going to pass. That's a really hot trend right now. And Oprah certainly has lots of opportunities digitally and in her magazine that comes out on hard copy four times a year. But that is a tremendous opportunity. If you are, if you have a, it's, it's better. I mean, it's best for products, obviously, but, but she does focus on business book, product, service, or cause, but I think it's most powerful for products. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Your audience has a product. That's really the primo place to be. Oh, that's amazing. That's great advice too, because I actually do have a few people that do have products yes and patents and things like that so books need to be traditionally published you can't have Oprah doesn't accept a self-published book so just know that oh that's good to know as well yeah Yeah. because we work with lots of authors as well that's awesome okay you guys she's got a whole lot of knowledge so jump on the show notes click the link find Susan and ask her all your questions and let her help you because she has got this mastered this is amazing Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing 
their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. Well, Susan, we love having you here today and we appreciate it so much. And on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs and we're going to talk about their success and we're going to learn from them and give value to our listeners. But we also promise them that while we're spotlighting this fierce female entrepreneur, that we're also going to pull back the curtain. You see, everyone sees your success and they want that. They want your success, but they have no idea the price you paid to have the success you enjoy today. And so when we show them, then they say, oh, I don't want to pay that price, right? So they just want the success. They don't want to have to overcome. They don't want to have to deal with the dirty stuff. It's really hard. But what happens is we don't share that, right? As successful entrepreneurs, we're not up there enjoying our success saying, but you have no idea how hard it was. And we had to do this and do that. But what happens is the others that are coming along behind us, they think what's wrong with me because she made it look so easy and this is yeah. so hard and there must be something wrong with me. So that's really how we have birthed this podcast is to say, oh yes, we have all of these successful women. You compare yourselves to them every day, but you have no idea what their story is. And so we want to share some of your stories today to say, hey, you can have my success too, as long as you're willing to pay a price and work through it. Right. And that's the thing is like, we'd like to hear some of the things that you've gone through. And then sometimes we'll ask yeah. our guests, like, how did you get through that? Maybe there's someone listening right now who may be struggling with something that you've had to overcome and we can share tips and tactical ideas on how you can get through it. So 
I just want to tell our listeners, there's nothing wrong with you. We all, as on that journey to success, I think the bigger the success, the bigger the obstacles we have to overcome. I feel like it's just a big test. So let's get started. Are you ready to tell some fun stories today? Or not so fun. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also so glad you said that because I really think that we all deal with self-doubt and imposter syndrome. So let's stop glorifying it and start and just like diminishing it. Meaning let's not focus on that. Let's focus on and I and, and I have it too. So it's not like it's not like, oh, I've gotten over imposter syndrome. You know, no, it keeps it keeps coming, but it's it is about training your mental and muscle memory to stay focused on um, what am I here to do and with the gifts that I've been given. Yes. So whatever that is, I think, so the big picture is that. And perspective, right? Like we go through these hard things and when we look back, we become grateful for them because they prepared us for where we're headed next. They made us stronger. Like there's so many, so many nuggets to that that are such a blessing. It just doesn't feel like it when you're in the trenches, right? It's not be lessons. We call them, I I would use another word. I wasn't sure if we were allowed to on your podcast because I would use the the stronger word to the crappy lesson. Yes. Yes. I actually refer to it as Suckville. (laughs) Like you now entered Suckville, right? And so we get to spend some time there, but we never camp out. We never stay there. So let's jump in. Let's share a story. Let's tell our listeners a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. So when I was a publicist and I was booking people and I had an assistant, so we were really on the phone. In those days, it was phone. We were on the phone really 10 hours every day. And I had the fax machine going continuously. It was before the internet. And then once I learned how to do the internet, we sent fax, quote, we sent things via the internet called blast internet. So that was one thing at a time. So those kinds of things were an evolution. And then I had this great mentor and he said, Susan, you're never going to be able to get clients to stay with you long enough. If you just media train them, you have to do the bookings. And I was really disheartened by that because I thought, well, I'm really loving the media training and how can I move more gracefully into what I love to do? Because it was so, it was just much, I just found it like so rewarding to see people Actually, you know, overcoming their fears and their imposter syndrome and being able to particularly women shine in the media spotlight and really, you know, really let go of thinking that they were bragging, begging or whoring to get great publicity. And Uh my mentor told me, don't do it. And Uh I really respected him, but I didn't listen because I really listened to what my heart and what I was saying to myself. And I said, you know what? Let me try this. I can always do it gradually. Uh. And that's what I did too. Like I didn't move in. When I started my business, by the way, I worked as a receptionist at a law firm. I was way overqualified, but I thought, let me make sure I can pay my rent as I build my business. So what I negotiated with the HR person, as I said, when I'm not busy answering phones, and I'm going to be the best damn receptionist you've ever had because I like remember people's voices and people's names and and everything. Like instantly, that was just one of my superpowers, right? To make people feel really good. Mm-hmm. And so I said, can I use that time and my lunch hour to make those calls? And she said, yes. So that's how I built my PR business first with just being a receptionist at a law firm and then also doing HR work at Pacific Bell Directory, the Yellow Pages, where I worked with over 3,000 people analyzing their body language, facial language, and verbal language 
to see if they got jobs from customer service all the way through C-suite. Huh. And then I was, yeah. <laughs> so, but now we need to tell a story of the bad, not the ugly. We're going to save the ugly for last, but let's tell a story of the bad part of the journey. Okay. So one of the bad parts of the journey is that my sweetie got a staph infection that took out about a foot of his neck. And he was in the hospital for about 40 days and lost 40 pounds. And so um, every day, I mean, really going to Aikido, the Japanese martial art that I have practiced, was my savior. You know why? Because it's 100% focus. You cannot space out in that. And also, I would say my clients, because I am totally devoted. So it's focus, it's concentration, it's relaxation. Those are three things that are really super important in Aikido and in media training. So I would go and train on the mat and then I would go to the hospital. And part of that issue in the hospital, and they didn't catch it at first, so it just kept progressing. So he almost died. It had almost gone to his brain. It was, we were in, um, uh, and he's afraid of MRIs. So I would stand and he would, they had all, he was being given all these drugs. So he was hallucinating. He was thinking that he was underground in a grave when we went down to do the MRI. So I would hold his hand and stand there for hours. And that was part of my Aikido training to be able to hold perfectly still and keep him perfectly still when he was afraid and awake because with the relaxation drugs, we couldn't have him drifting off. So to me, that kind of focus and doing media and doing Aikido was essential to keep him alive and to get through that MRI. So they finally got an MRI of his head and the staph infection was this far away from his brain. And I oh was gosh. looking at it at midnight with the doctor who said, um, I need to clear my appointments for tomorrow and get him in there so it doesn't go to his brain. Oh my so gosh. that was what happened to him. And then, um, and, and I'm that, afraid of, and I'm afraid oh, of Oh, great. There's a really bad experiences with hospitals. So I just, I just had to go. And every day I just kind of, it's, it's actually a technique that psychiatrists use. And I use too in media training, which is um, called, um, uh, what is, what is the name of it? Um, exposure therapy. You expose the person over and over and over again to their fear. Wow. So this is what we do in media too. So we do the super hard interviews. So when you actually do them, it feels easy. So you get used to it. If I'm, I act like the aggressive person or I act like the, the super, um, super intimate person asking you inappropriate questions. So you get used to it. And then eventually it doesn't have that kind of gut thing anymore. So I, I was doing this in the hospital because, you know, it was, it, it was, it was really difficult. And the other part of that was they almost killed him several times because he's allergic to aspartame, big sugar. And when he was transferred to one from one hospital to another, the charts didn't come with him. And here they he lost forty pounds, but they were giving him sugar free pudding, and it had the aspartame in it. Which I mean, he was immobilized in his bed. So had he done that, he would have. It's like having a peanut allergy or whatever. You know, you're yeah. you're, you're, you're you swell up, um, and he wouldn't be able to breathe because he wouldn't move. I think he would have died. So twice I caught them trying to give him that um, pudding. And I'm like, oh my God. And twice I'm like, wait, it didn't transfer. Put it in the chart. Now it somehow got erased in the chart again. So I'm just thinking I saved his life several times. And then the challenge for me too was to work because I work at home, you know, for myself. And then, and then he came home, but he was, they, they said he was ready to come home, but he couldn't even, we, he sat on the couch and we couldn't get him off. 
because he he had one paralyzed arm at that point and he had no strength in his legs. And so, you know, there was this whole thing about like, he, now we couldn't move and I had to be like at his sort of beck and call. We I tried to get caregivers in, but it was like that I had to work and support us while I was taking care of him and trying to get in home support. So I would say that was my biggest challenge. And now, which I shared with you, Amy, is we're on his third round of cancer, prostate cancer, which has escaped the, and can go anywhere in the body. So we're about to talk to his oncologist about that. So it's just like, this is what happens in your life as you're trying to run your business. And um, there's time when, you know, I say to him, like, you can have a prescribed time to worry. Like, it's natural to worry. But let's say, is it going to be an hour a day or a half hour a day? And then we need to strategize and move on and do the practical things. And when I was there with him in the hospital, I didn't have time to cry or to, um, or you know, or to do anything else. I had to strategize to keep him alive. That was my yeah. goal. My big goal is I need to keep him alive and then I need to get him better. And we had this joke because there was this, this, um, his personal trainer had sent him thing, this little video of like, I'm a bodybuilder and this healthy. And I kept in my mind that he was healthy the whole time. Like then you are going to return to full radiant health. And despite, you know, everything was going on, it was, it's not airy fairy to keep that in mind. It's like keeping the big goal in mind and recognizing that what is here is real and needs to be dealt with like on a daily basis in terms of, you know, just being able to, you know, give him his, you know, administer, you know, I'm not that good with needles at first, administer him every day needles and feed him and take care of him and keeping that big vision in the mind that he was going to recover in full health. And he did. He got use of his arm. Again, wow. Playing tennis twice a week. And so now, wow. even though the cancer has recurred, he's still, you know, good for vibrant. him. And we're looking at the next level of vibrancy. I love yeah. that. Oh, that's a, such a great story. I'm glad you you told the ending because I was going to say, oh, no, tell me more. So that that is so great that 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 he's doing better and unfortunate yeah. that, you know, this is coming back. But hopefully they'll get a handle on that as well. But, Absolutely. you know, most people would give up. Most people and rightfully so could use that as a reason to not run for their dreams, build their business, you know, and and have that life that they dream of. And yet you did both. You pursued it and you you did what you had to do when you needed to do it. I love what you're saying about scheduling time to worry. I love that so much. <laughs> That's hilarious. I do because like, I mean, I'm even guilty of it, you know, where I'll start to be, you know, I'll get a thought and then I, it goes into this next thing and the next thing and it's not good. And, you know, that can make you ill as well, right? And so that can change your mind. It can change your emotions. But we don't uh, want to sugarcoat it. We don't want to sugarcoat it and go, oh, I'm so healthy. Or right. even affirmations are shown not to work. What works is um, saying something that's realistic, meaning uh, every day I get a little bit, like for him, every day I get a little bit better. Or with your business, every day I grow, I grow or I learn something new in my business. That part's true. It's not like... I go from earning a thousand dollars a month to being a millionaire that your mind doesn't believe that. Right. But if you can say every day, I'm learning something new about my business and I'm on my way to, to earning a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, wherever you are, that I'm going to do practices every day, then your mind believes it. So that's the bridge 
I wasn't pretending like, oh, he's going to get all this. I mean, of his, course. No. Like an Auschwitz victim, right? Uh. And it's not like he was going to, he had these beautiful calves and got these legs that I, that I wish, why does he get those legs that I don't? Like, it's so wasted <laughs> out of man. You know, like, you should be in a mini skirt. You know, I, he has these fabulous legs. And you would never know that he would be able to recover from that. But we didn't just go, oh, you're going to be able to up and walk, you know, yeah. a mile. Like, you couldn't get off the couch, right? So yeah. we have to look at, like, what's the first step? Like, well, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sharing that. Okay. Well, now we have to go to the ugly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell yes. us a story about the ugly yeah. part of the journey. So um, I started Aikido when I was 56. And so already, <laughs> already, you know, past middle age, right? And I've always been an athlete and like we talked about. And so starting as a beginner, as like the worst kid in the class was really humiliating for me. And it was also born out in, in real life, meaning I was so bad at Aikido because it's so complicated and it's more like dancing. And I've never been super coordinated in dancing. I'm more like racket sports or hitting things or, you know, um, so that that's where I am coordinated. But as I also started those things when I was young, right? I started tennis when I was young. Um, so really what would happen is um, when we, we begin to train with each other, people would bow in and you bow to the person next to you. And people would actually turn away, jump up and run away from me. Because sometimes you're stuck with the whole per that person for half the class, and they didn't want to be training with me at that level. I don't uh, blame them for that, but I was just so horrified every time I went into Aikido that I was like, um, I would try to re-strategize. Well, what if somebody jumps up away from me? What am I going to do? So I would have to strategize. So every day, much as I loved Aikido, I hated it. And it was equal hate and love. It brought me joy and it brought me shame. And so every day I would argue with myself whether I was going to go or not. So I would put on my gi a half an hour before or an hour before. So I would be ready. So I'd be working because by the time it came around, I'd be like, like, I don't want to go. You know, and every day after practice, I would go into my car and cry because I was so bad. Every time I would never cry on the mat as a warrior. You don't cry on the mat. You, 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 it's like the warrior spirit, but I would get into my car I would cry every day. Like, am I ever going to be able to master this? It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And it's so hard. But every day, four, four days a week, I went to train for two hours. And every day, even when the board was mostly men, stayed later. I'm like, I'm staying later too. If I can get lessons from the men who are better than me. Because men sort of would create this, um, if some guy was good or had potential, all the men would help him. But we didn't have a girls network. There were very few women in there. I mean, there's some, but very few women. But we didn't have that. Like if there's a great woman, they would get And I wasn't great. So I wasn't going to be getting that special training. But I thought, they're helping this special guy. I'm just going to stay afterwards and get that extra training. And that's what I did. And then they eventually accepted me because I was so eager to learn. And, and, and I think that when you look up to anyone, they really enjoy that. And I looked up to everyone because everybody has something to teach you, even people who are worse than you. So sure. those are part of the things that happened. Then, Cami, I don't think I told you this part before, but, um, I, I, um, was, was thrown, landed on my neck a couple of times. So, um, there was the great fear that built up in me about being thrown forward for this particular role. 
And so the last time that that happened, um, you know, you fall because my hakama, I was a black belt. My hakama, which is the black skirt, got caught in um, uh, my own, my own, my, my foot got caught in their hakama. So you don't have time to roll out. You just land straight on your neck. So it was so scary. I haven't gone back because I haven't been able to get over my fear of rolling forward. I can roll backward. I can be thrown backward and roll backward, but I, I haven't gotten over my fear of throwing people or that. So right. So if we're talking about um, being not being able to move forward, I did, I did EMDR. I did something called MER. I've done lots of other therapies around that, but it hasn't, it hasn't, um, it hasn't shifted. Um, so when I talked to my sensei about it too, because I was heartbroken that I'm not part of the community. I said, actually, I'm practicing Aikido all the time anyway, just not on the mat, mm. which is the polishing of your spirit, the turning your lead into gold. I'm using it in my media training, but I can't be on the mat right now. Wow. So there's yeah. like the ugly part of the journey is actually so beautiful, right? Because you can mm -hmm. take the parts of it that you can use and you can help others with it and help yourself. That's yeah. amazing. That yeah. is amazing. Well, hopefully one day you'll get past that too. And I hope so too. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think I will, but it hasn't happened yet. And But maybe and, it will. Yeah. And that would be great. But look at everything that yeah. you were able to take from it, even still in the time that you did do it. Yeah. And it's making me tear up now just because I miss it so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's hard. That's hard. Maybe go one day. Don't do it. Just go. Just suit up and show up and don't get on the mat. And maybe if you do that a few times, maybe get your sweetie to come. Maybe get your sweetie to come hold your hand. Aw. Oh, he has a saying. Um, <laughs> he has a saying um, what he would say every day when I left. He would say, um, uh, don't hurt anyone and don't get hurt. And soon you'll have your long black skirt, which is the Hakama. Oh, I love that. <laughs> he would say that every day when I left. Oh. I can, well, maybe yeah. you should consider Sorry, suiting up and showing up. It is beautiful. Yeah, and. Yes. And see, just see what happens. Maybe there'll be a shift. Maybe there will. You, you never know. You I would that. try it. Let me know. I can't wait to hear. Little. Now we're going to, you're going to need to report back because we're going to need to know. Well, this okay. has been amazing. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing all of your knowledge and being so authentic about the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is not easy. It is worth it, but it is not easy. And uh, I came into that. Yeah, yes. whatever, journey, whatever happens, I think it's, it's, um, there's always going to be obstacle. My, my friend, um, Alison Linderman wrote this beautiful poem called the, um, oh, it was called the obstacle is the obstacle or the, the obstacle. I, I forgot the title of it, but it's so beautiful, but it's about the obstacle is the way in. Mm, isn't you that know? the truth? And I think that's always true that the obstacle is the way in to, to now push it away difficult as it is because they always are. Yes, there's, of there's, course. And it doesn't yeah. get any easier when you, I think the higher the level you go, the, the bigger the obstacles. So I agree. I think we get better. It doesn't get easier. We get better. And yeah. I think that's what you do with this training that you're doing with your clients. This media training, it doesn't change. It still can be difficult and scary, but they get better and you help facilitate that. You make them better. And that's what makes it easier. It just, it just doesn't get easier. But I love that. But thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And to our listeners, oh my gosh, 
we have gone on every emotion today between laughter and and some of these little you know moments that just kind of you know hit you hard or trigger you and so uh wherever you are today in your life or your business even if you're face down on the ground just get back up just life can be hard and what you're doing can be hard but it's not impossible and you are invincible and you can do anything just get back up tell them susan <laughs> here here yes i think I think I think that's true. And I think it's like internal fortitude and the practicing every day of what it is that you want and what's important to you. And to keep that to keep that in mind and to do something every single day that enriches that part of you that you want to grow. You know, so that's the part of letting go of the imposter syndrome is what part of me do I want to grow and how am I stepping into my future self and, and looking back at your day. And saying, um, you know, one of the things that my friend Sark taught me just the other day is she was, we did this little riff where it was, um, you talked about all the great things about the other person and what they did. And, and just, you're just sort of riffing on that. But she also had me riff on just like um, part of what, what was our conversation to riff on yourself, which is not so easy. Like no. what do I like about myself to yeah. riff on that each day, you know? Yeah, and I think that's that was kind of a great practice, and you'd be uh, just do it out loud because you'd be surprised at how many things come out. Yeah, you just say, you know, I smiled at my neighbor. I, I mean, it can be the smallest thing. I, I made an omelet that you know was the perfect, you know, that was the perfect amount of of of, of squishiness, you know, whatever that is, <laughs> right? Like you right. can just run through all those little things, and it's not what you're grateful for, but it's like, what do I like about myself, or what great thing, what did I do today that that um just that I, that I did, you know, maybe something new or whatever. And I think that, that I found that really helpful. That's awesome. All right, guys, just get back up. Just get back up. You can do anything. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.